This is RadioThen.network, and in just a moment, we'll present a special program devoted to Golden Radio Memories for you. was an important year in the affairs of the United States. Radio took us outside of our boundaries, and a slow awareness was beginning to overtake Americans that what happened in Europe could act upon our own destiny. This was the year that civil war broke out in Spain. Soon the battle would be drawn as Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin used Spain as the testing ground for weapons of war. It was in the same year that a British monarch died, George V. And perhaps he symbolized the passing of an era, just as the death of Winston Churchill closed the leadership book on World War II. From the coffin lies the crown, the orb, the scepter, and the insignia of the Order of the God. As it goes by, the King's God... Lure the colors and present arms. Behind walks King Edward VIII. In 1937, Edward VIII abdicated. At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. I have never wanted to withhold anything. But until now... It has not been constitutionally possible for me to speak. But you must believe me when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. And now we all have a new king. I wish him and you, his people, happiness and prosperity with all my heart. God bless you all. God save the king. To complete the circle of succession, George VI was crowned with the pomp and ceremony that only the English can mount. Here are the final moments as reported live. Albert Frederick Arthur George 
is now become our only lawful and rightful liege lord, George the Sixth, by the grace of God of Great Britain, Ireland, and the British dominions beyond the sea, King. Radio news reporting was growing in stature. The march towards World War II began to accelerate. By 1937, the cauldron was simmering as England's Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain went to Munich. This is Max Gordon calling from Munich, Germany. It is now 8 minutes to 2 o'clock a.m. local time. Exactly 17 minutes ago, Premier Chamberlain of England, Premier Dalladay of France, walked <coughs> of the assembly room at the first palace here. Benito Mussolini, the Duchy of Italy, followed him shortly afterwards to catch his special train for Italy. The Six Four Conference of Munich has come to a formal close. After my visit to Germany, I realized vividly how Herr Hitler feels that he must champion other Germans. He told me privately, and last night he repeated publicly, that after this Sudeten German question is settled, that is the end of Germany's territorial claims in Europe. As the United States became aware of the fallacy of peace in our time, radio news reporting polished its techniques, gained in wisdom, and began to take its place as the recorder of living history. On-the-spot news coverage came of age, and from the archives of the National Broadcasting Company comes an example of radio news reporting at its very best. Ladies and gentlemen... The National Broadcasting Company again this morning brings you a special broadcast from the Navy Yard at Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Eleven miles out in the Atlantic Ocean, near White Island Light, the United States Navy has concentrated ships and equipment in an attempt to rescue 59 officers and men trapped in the submarine Squalus. The submarine rescue ship Falcon reached the scene about two hours ago. And those two hours have been occupied in dropping its moorings, anchoring the ship above the spot where the Squalus went down. Naval officers here at Portsmouth say they are optimistic concerning the results of rescue operations. Apparently the first attempt to reach the sunken submarine and its crew will be made in the Navy's rescue chamber, an 18-foot metal cylinder in which the divers are protected by compressed air. Down at the 240-foot level where the Squalus rests, the chamber will be attached to the submarine hatch and crew members may enter it eight or ten at a time for the ascent to the surface. On the Falcon are 22 of the Navy's expert divers. And earlier this morning, 13 other divers put out from the Navy Yard aboard a fast Coast Guard patrol ship. It was just 23 and a half hours ago that the Squalus submerged on what was to have been the routine dive below. 
An hour later, when the submarine's commander, Lieutenant Oliver Naquin, failed to report his return to the surface, the sister ship's Sculpin put out from Portsmouth. Near White Island, light, the Sculpin sighted a distress smoke signal shot from the Squalus. And a few minutes later, the crew found a signal boy carrying a telephone cable to the submerged ship. The cable snapped, but not until Lieutenant McQueen had reported the afterchambers filled with water. That was the last communication until last night, when signals notified the Sculpin that conditions on the Squalus were good but cold. And now at the microphone beside me is Bill Eddy, NBC television engineer and the former lieutenant in the Navy's submarine service. Bill, I think, first of all, that most everybody is asking the question, what will be the procedure at the scene of the rescue operation? Well, Chick, the Falcon is here, as you know, and she is now engaged in laying down her four anchors preparatory to mooring directly over the stricken submarine. I see. The next step will be to drop grapnels into the deck for guidelines, and down these guidelines, the first diver will probably descend. He will make a preliminary observation, report to the surface, and get his orders. Then a diving stage will be lowered, bringing one or more additional divers to assist in anchoring the salvage chamber to the torpedo room hatch. And the question all of us are anxious, of course, to know, how long can a modern submarine remain submerged safely? Well, under normal conditions, at least a week. But we have no knowledge of what the conditions are out there on the bottom. Well, could you possibly tell our listeners what might be going on down in that sunken vessel? From your experience with submarines, what would you say the men are doing? Well, first of all, it is pitch black because they appear to be unable to use the forward battery. Lieutenant Naquin has no doubt ordered all hands to lie down in their bunks and cover up so they won't use too much oxygen. We've heard that the ship is in about 240 feet of water. Is that an excessive depth, or in other words, is it going to be a difficult dive? Well, 240 feet means 105 pounds per square inch. Yes, it's a dangerous dive, but a possible one. Well, all right, thank you very much, Bill Eddy. This special events broadcast has come to you from press headquarters in the Navy Yard at Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where rescue operations are in progress to lift the submarine squalers from the floor of the Atlantic. Keep tuned to your NBC station for latest developments. The acid test of this newborn technique gained in stature in the months that followed by bringing history live at the moment it was happening into the living rooms of America. It was as though destiny was clearing the decks for action. In 1939, Spain fell to insurgent Franco. Pope Pius XI completed his tasks on earth, and Pius XII became spiritual leader of the Catholic Church. The Republic of Czechoslovakia was dissolved. Italy invaded Albania. The New York World's Fair opened. The name Danzig came into the news. On September 1st, 1939... Those assembled arise and stand to greet the arrival of the German Führer. The applause greets the Führer who has just arrived in the Karl Opera House 
to address the Reichstag, which has been called an extraordinary session. We are expecting that Prime Minister Gerling, in a very few moments, will open formally the session in the Reichstag. Danzig was and is a German city. All these Gebiete verdanken all these regions have only Germany to thank for their cultural development. I told the Polish ambassador three weeks ago that if the situation continued as it was, if Danzig were persecuted and were, it were attempted by Poland to ruin Danzig economically, the situation could not be tolerated. We interrupt this broadcast of Adolf Hitler's speech just momentarily to report a dispatch from Paris which says that Premier Deladier of France has now called the French Council of Ministers for an emergency meeting which is to take place just ten minutes from now at 5.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Then from London on September 3rd, Neville Chamberlain sorrowfully made this report to the world. I am speaking to you in the cabinet room at 10 Downing Street. This morning, the British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note, stating that unless we heard from them by 11 o'clock, that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received, and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. Franklin Delano Roosevelt recognized the peril to America and worked closely with England's new Prime Minister, Winston Churchill. President Roosevelt wrote out a verse to me in his own handwriting uh, from Longfellow. Sail on, O ship of state. Sail on, O union, strong and great. Humanity, with all its fears, with all the hopes of future years, is hanging breathless on thy fate. What is the answer that I shall give in your name to this great man? Give us the tools and we will finish the job.
You've been listening to another of the old-time radio series, Golden Radio Memories. Memories for you from RadioThen.network.